What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. A belated Happy New Year to everyone out there. In this episode, I'm going to be interviewing Stephen Rosenblum. Stephen has edited such films as Braveheart, Blood Diamond, and Defiance. And his work has been nominated for three Oscars. In this part of the interview, we'll be discussing his relationship with directors, as well as working with rhythms. Can you tell me how, when you start a new project, how do you prepare for it? Depends who it's with. You know, if it's with Ed Zwick, who I work with a lot, I start the project as soon as he says, do you think we should do this and hands me a script, which is either written, rewritten, or is still in its rawest form. And um, I'd say half the time I say, don't do this. Uh, or a third of the time I'll say, I would do this if it came my way, but I don't think you ought to do this. In which case he may or may not say, well, I want to do it anyway. I say, okay, fine, then we'll just do it. And then it's subject to constant revisions and I'll read whatever drafts he thinks are important enough for me to read and give him feedback. And in that way with Zwick, I'm well into the project. I'm often reading other material about these issues at the same moment. With other directors, it's really, how do I prepare? It's usually, uh, we want you to do this picture, can you start tomorrow? And you, you prepare by going to work the next morning and just getting there. Uh, with someone say Ed Zwick, you've worked a lot with him. How would you go about building a new relationship with a director? So, because they're so key, and that's obviously such a trusting relationship that you can say, "I don't think you should do this," or "I, I think you should try this." Or with a new director, the the beginning of it is the meeting, that first meeting. Um, so, I'm not shy about offering opinions, and and even in that first meeting, I try to be myself. And the people who don't hire me. If they don't want to hire me because I'm too outspoken in opinions, that's a good thing because we won't get along anyway, mm -hmm. and it just paves the way for a smooth relationship if they do want to hire me. Uh, and then when I'm hired, I'm often given, uh, you know, what what's preferable with a Zwick or Mel Gibson or, uh, or a lot of the people I work with is I'm given free reign to, yes, this is what I have in mind, says Ed, but, you know, he knows I'll do what I want and then we'll discuss it, and then we'll find middle ground if we want to, or he'll say, that's great, let's do that. Or once he said to me, are, are you on crack? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, I won't be so radical with the stuff. I'll mm -hmm. take, take it back a bit. But I, I, the best uh, relationships I've had are ones that are collaborative, and, and, and going into it, there's no reason to hide the fact that I, I want to have a strong opinion. Also, it's out front. Huh? And out front. Out front. And also, I like strong opinions on the other side, too. Mm -hmm. So um, it's the directors who have who are not so opinionated that I have more difficulty with, not the ones who have strong opinions. So the ones that are waver on ideas? And or want to see 73 versions of, uh, you know, presently um, that seems to be favorite is to show five or six different versions of a sequence. And uh, I tend not to do that. And occasionally, only occasionally, will I have an alternate version of something. And, and very often it's only in process, meaning uh, I'll show that piece and say, or I could go this way. This struck me as interesting. Didn't strike me as the best way, but there's something about it that if I develop it further, maybe it will be. Do you want me to do a pass on that and see what that is? And you know, like uh, the good directors will say, you know, yes or no right away. Now I don't want to go that way. Or well, that's interesting. Let's see what you come up with. Because a lot of times in the editing room, politics can get really tense, or moments can get tense. So how do you work in the editing room and keep things, I guess, smooth so that there's not. Uh, friction, but the ideas get out and get worked out. The editing room is uh, an extension of your personality, and my 
personality is to be very informal and have fun while I work. So with the directors that I'm most comfortable with, it's, it's a give and take of humor and, a, and essentially it could even be a commentary as I'm cutting of you know, what I'm doing and why and goofing around and all sorts of, you know, Mel and I used to, uh, if it got a little tense in the room, he had, we had puppets. He, Mel had a, I can't remember if he, I think it was a nun that threw punches and I had a rabbi that threw punches. Uh, and he, he got them, I believe. I don't know where they came from. I think he bought them. And whenever it started to get just a little tense, he, we would take the puppets out and like haul off on each other for five or ten <laughs> minutes. And then we'd be back to work and, and all attention goes away. But I mean, but the general theory of that is the same as when I work with anybody. It's like it, if you have a good time when you're working, the uh, interchange of ideas is not so tense. You know, people are very protective of their ideas. Everyone is naturally. But... Uh, you know, for a director to recognize a good idea, it's only going to serve him. And for an editor to recognize a good idea, it's only going to serve him. So it's mm -hmm. all about the project and the project getting better. Now you talked about with Ed Zwick, you um, take your first approach to cutting the film yourself and then talk. But with other directors, how do you approach your first the same way. cut? Same way? Yeah, because I, I think that uh, I, I believe people are paying me to give them a, uh, a take on movies. I mean... It's my spin on a sequence is what they're paying me for. I've worked with directors who tell you that's what they want to do and then haven't done that and want you to do it exactly that way, uh, the way that they, they tell you. And that doesn't work for me very well. Um, and it usually doesn't work for them very well either. You did uh, an interview for Zoom, uh, Zoom in Media. Your relationship with Edward Zwick, you talked about getting into the same rhythms as the director. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that. Well, yes, we're both, uh, we're both uh, have... Uh, sort of high metabolisms, even though I'm, I'm sort of very relaxed about mm -hmm. it, as is he. But our, our body rhythms and our viewing capability is such that, you know, I, I tend to, in self-criticism, I tend to cut too quickly sometimes and try to get a, extra cuts in there because I just, I like it and I can do it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it requires not doing that. You know, sometimes it requires to, it's funny, I was visiting my friend, uh, Bob Layton, and I was just visiting him yesterday, and he was showing me a sequence he's cutting for Rob's new movie. And and I uh, every time I, I see his stuff, I go, oh yes, I have to remember to just calm down, let it play naturally. It's beautiful, smooth, and and mm -hmm. and organic the way it's cut together. And I have to remember to do that because sometimes I try to force the issue. With Edswick, um, uh, our rhythms not only are our rhythms similar, our languages. We've known each other so long that we we often don't even speak. He'll, he'll just point a finger at me and say, you know, just do that uh, thing, you know. And I'll go, okay, yeah, I'll just fix that like sort of like this. <laughs> and, and, and he'll go, okay. I know, I know you can't get this on this thing, but, you know, rhythms are, action sequences have a different rhythm than dialogue sequences. Mm -hmm. They just have to. And the rhythm comes from an internal meter within your own body. And uh, sometimes you, and you edit, so sometimes you make a cut and you don't even know why it's only that length, but you know that it can't be any longer than that length. Even if the shot is good, it just has to be a very quick, short emphasis cut. And um, Ed's very attuned to rhythm and, and is very um, appreciative of it, when, especially when a scene is shot in a way that it requires rhythm in the editing process, but you can't shoot it in the shooting process. Mm -hmm. I remember with Mel, you know, again, Mel's, a, you know, I've only done one movie with Mel. Uh, when we did Braveheart, there was one sequence in particular when he goes and meets the princess in the tent. Mm -hmm. yeah? And, you know, I, when I cut it uh, on location, it was just, you know, I never, I never actually could make that scene play properly. It just felt prosaic and, and sort of 
so what? And then Mel came into the editing room and he said, you know, the thing about this scene is it's all about pause and expectation and the heaviness of atmosphere. And as soon as he said that, you know, we didn't even have to really discuss, which we did as I cut it with him. I cut that with him a lot uh, one day. We didn't have to discuss the cuts so much as the amount of space around the cuts. And that's what he was going for because so much of the movie it didn't have that. It was just, you know, moving and moving and moving. And, and it was just really interesting to, to see somebody else's rhythms and, and the ability to meet them in a way that mm -hmm. made the scene come to life. Shaker Kapoor, too, had a very interesting uh, sequence with, in Four Feathers with him where he, he just said, no, no, stop being so aggressive with this material. Just let it play in its shots and, and it'll have its own value. And it does. Its know? own internal rhythm yeah. almost. And then sometimes it doesn't, and yeah. then you have to fix it. You, know? and you have to give it a rhythm. Yeah, you have to give it a rhythm. Now you talked about the fight scenes being different rhythms and what have you, and you've done some amazing fight scenes. So I think Braveheart, The Last Samurai, Defiance. What is your approach to cutting a fight scene? Well, let's call it an action scene, a big, okay. uh, let's call it a big action piece. Um, what I do, and it's never been any different from the time I cut film to the time I cut now, is I organize all the material in my own way, meaning I'll, I'll, and it's a lot easier now electronically, but in film I would do the same. I will take long stretches of material without making any, uh, this is the only piece I want to use kind of decisions. I'll take it all and put it into a, into a, into a sequence called, let's say, if we were doing samurai, the samurai, it'll call it soldiers. Soldiers arrive, you know, samurai prepare. I'll have all sorts of unedited but compiled sequences that just organize the material for me. In Braveheart, I organized material on that big battle for probably two weeks. I didn't do any cutting. All I did was listen to loud rock and roll, shut the sound down, and just organize the material. And it's a very rough organization because there's no way that that's how it's going to be edited. It's just so that I can access the material over and over again without having to go through bazillions of takes and, and trying to locate them. And they're all sort of one after the other. From that point, I start to just freeform. I see in my head as I go, essentially cut to cut, where do I want to be? Uh, of course, most of the time I'm not really right. I'll look at what I've done and go, oh, God, now I have to do this and I have to mm -hmm. do this. And it's a constant refining of, of what's interesting and what isn't, how many balls are up in the air at any given moment. Sometimes I'll cut the, the fight sequences that are within a battle. In Braveheart, I cut all the, all the stunt sequences with Mel and whoever. I just cut them as if they were going to live by themselves. Um, then when it came time to... Uh, incorporate them into the entire battle sequence. Well, they they lose, uh, you know, probably half, because mm -hmm. you don't really want to watch a a battle and then go to a fight sequence that lasts a minute. You go to the fight sequence for six or eight seconds, go somewhere else in the battle, come back to the fight sequence, blah blah blah. It's all just a question of whittling down and refining, um, and that goes from the from the large scale to the small scale. Now, how do you keep people um, oriented? Because in like just Braveheart, there's so much going on. There's so many people. Uh, was that an issue on in the cutting? Room? No, no, not not in the slightest. In fact, orientation is always uh, a reflection of how audiences perceive characters, um, and then there's also the perception of what the geography is. Mm -hmm. The geography is fairly easy because you can always drop back and show the geography. 
the problem with, uh, for me, for most battle sequences and why I have no real interest in certain types of films is that the, there is not enough emphasis on what the character is going through and why it's important for him to win or lose or whatever it is he's doing. Mm -hmm. I constantly try to uh, put the character in the center of the action and reflect all the action off of him. The best example I can think of most recently is, is Blood Diamond, where Leo and, and uh, Jaiman are running down that street. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I cut to them as much as possible to see what's happening to them and then cut around that all the mayhem uh, that's happening to everybody else. I'd also think The Last Samurai, the scene where Tom Cruise is actually taken by the samurais. Mm -hmm. and it, it, it anchors the audience, you know, where, where the story is. But, and that's, that's my, actually really my favorite scene in The Last Samurai. Uh, I just love that we used to call it the the fog battle, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just it's just really interesting, you know. There's it, because it's all about a one guy saying, "Oh my God, what's happening?" You know, yeah. what is happening to me now? Oh my God, you know. And it grounds it in a way that I love. Uh, as a counterpoint, if you if you go to uh, uh, I actually I'll be specific. You know, if you look at Pearl Harbor, to me a lot of it is and the action is incredible, absolutely mm -hmm. incredible. But it's not really grounded in the characters very much. And so it, a lot of it to me becomes just, uh oh, hardware action, mm -hmm. uh, amazing as it might be. I, I, don't, I don't have that much invested in it because I'm not really sure how the characters are relating to the action other than just being in it. So that was part one of my interview with Stephen Rosenblum. I'd like to thank Stephen for allowing me to interview him. I'd also like to thank the American Cinema Editors and Jenny McCormick as well as my producer, Lauren Woodcock. I'm Gordon Raquel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>